0: Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, welcome to the Get a Grip podcast. Uh, My name is Shane Bacon. Appreciate you joining. Appreciate you listening, subscribing, all that good stuff. It's been a minute. I've been uh, gallivanting, not just across the country, but around the world. I was out in Napa for the Fortinet, of course, got a chance to catch up with Max Homa. And a big congrats to Max, by the way. He and Lacey had their baby boy. On uh, I believe it was late Monday night into Tuesday morning, so a shout-out to the homas uh, for the addition to the family. But was out at Fortinet, and then my best buddy in the world, Rusty Reynolds, got married in Montana. So I was in Montana, wonderful part of the world, by the way, and uh, I had a day at home, and then I was in Japan. So uh, Zozo Championship wrapped up. Of course, Keegan won that one. And uh, back home and back to the podcast we go. And a great guest, Mark Hubbard, joins this week. One of my favorite guys on the PGA Tour. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. We talked about hoops. Of course, Hubbard, a great basketball player in high school. We talked about uh, Halloween and the stresses of Halloween. We talked about if we could live in Japan or not. And uh, eventually we talked about golf as well. So I think you'll enjoy it. Big shout out to Mark for joining. And uh, one more thing I got to mention before we get to Mr. Hubbard. I wrote a children's golf book. It's called The Golfer's Zoo. I've spent the last year working on this thing. And it is now not only available to order. You can go to back 9 backslash bacon. That's nine, the number, not the word. Back9, the number, press.com backslash bacon to order it. But it's not just available to order. It's now being shipped out. People are getting their copies right now, reading them to their kids. And a very exciting part... Uh, of my life and my career in golf is uh, is seeing people receive the books uh, and seeing them read it. I got to say, a very emotional moment yesterday. We got a couple of boxes shipped here, uh, and it was the first chance we got to open them and actually see them in a physical, you know, the book in hand. And my wife grabbed it. She went upstairs. She sat on my son's bed, and she read it to Henry, and I was watching it. And let me just tell you, uh, it was hard to not get emotional as this was happening and uh, Henry actually asked for her to read it again. So uh, at least Henry likes it. And uh, his Yelp review is going to be substantial. But you can check it out, back9press.com, backslash bacon. Order it for yourself. Order it for a friend. You know, new parents, expecting parents, all that good stuff. I think they'll enjoy it. And just a few shout-outs to Jim, my publisher, at Back Nine Press. He did an unreal job putting up with me through this process, uh, finding illustrators, finding you know the right look and the size and all that good stuff. So much work goes on in the background of these types of stuff. So I need to give him an enormous shout-out. Avial is our illustrator. Did a great job with this. I'm telling you, the illustrations are better than anything I could have imagined. Uh, There's some stuff like my mom, who I need to give a shout out to as well. She helped with some editing, uh, some of the rhyming, those types of things. My mom is an artist. She's an illustrator. She's done stuff like this before. She has been blown away by the illustrations. So, uh, a couple of shout outs. And then, of course, to my wife, Cindy. uh, She pushed me to take the idea and to execute it. You know, she was very helpful in, you know, do you like this or that? bouncing ideas off of her um giving thoughts and you know, basically from, from start to finish, she's been by my side throughout the whole process. So a shout out to my great wife and for the help with all of that. But if you haven't ordered one, if you could back nine press.com backslash bacon, order a copy. I think you'll enjoy it. I think your kids are going to enjoy it. And uh, something I've been very, very proud of over the last year working on. And it's very cool to see it start to get shipped out. Uh, I'll be on some podcasts around the world. I think I'm going to be on Friday in the next few weeks, golf subpar in the next few weeks and the golf.com podcast as well. So you'll be able to hear me not just on this feed but some other feeds talking about the book that's enough of me for goodness sakes let's get to our guest mark hubbard from the pga tour thank you for joining us i appreciate it uh so you you are not home is what you're telling me you're not home for uh for the full extent of halloween huh
1: yeah i got a load of videos last night and got very depressed to be honest uh missing missing halloween my little baby was a cute little butterfly and uh looked like she had a ball we had a really cool neighborhood with a bunch of little kids so she was running around and had a great time she didn't miss me at all but i definitely uh i missed seeing her so
0: that's mark hubbard by the way um joining the podcast uh your daughter harlow by the way um and this is not meant to be a dig my puppy uh, our french bulldog's name is harlow so i was very excited to see awesome. harlow as the name um how old is your daughter A year and a half. Year and a half. So not quite grasping exactly what Halloween is about, but excited about the dressing up part and obviously excited about the candy. Uh, And the full report was night went well, no meltdowns, nothing terrible?
1: No, yeah, she had a great time. Definitely doesn't know what's going on, but loves being a butterfly. So it's probably her favorite animal.
0: There you go. Uh, Henry was a minion. I joined in the minion experience. Our daughter uh, was a cabbage patch kid. Uh, which went over well. And uh, I've decided as a parent, and again, I know you're on the road golfing, but I was talking to a couple of friends of mine last night. Halloween as a parent, I feel like is kind of eclipsing what we see around Christmas. Obviously kind of the buildup for Christmas might be a little bit bigger, but I feel like Halloween day is as exhausting as a parent as Christmas morning is. What did your wife have to say? Like, what was it like talking to your wife at 8 p.m. last night?
1: I mean, I I don't know if this is a a great question because she's super pregnant right now. Uh, Baby number two is due in December, so she's pretty much exhausted all the time, (laughs) not just Halloween. Um, But luckily her mom was there. I think everything went well. Um, I can definitely see that build up, though. I also think, I don't know, Halloween, uh, it was never my favorite holiday, but I feel like as I get older with kids and stuff like that, it's going to turn into one of my favorite holidays and also a day that. You know, while the kids are trick-or-treating in the neighborhood, the adults can get together and have a beer and hang out and, you know, have them. So it almost turns into more of a fun adult holiday.
0: Yeah, I mean, the eggnog is basically just beer and wine, you know, when you're walking around. That's definitely a part of our experience last night, which helped. um, Speaking of beer, we had dinner a couple of weeks ago in Tokyo. A group of us went out for a traditional Japanese restaurant. We sat on the ground. Uh, Great group, good food. I need the Mark Hubbard full review of Japan as a country and Japan as a food spot.
1: Oh, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what the status of that tournament is going forward. And that makes me pretty bummed because uh, I, I would live in Japan, man. Uh, everyone's so Same. friendly. The food's incredible. Uh, it was just, yeah, I, I need to go back on vacation, not just for golf. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's shocking. You know, we were like looking facts up about Tokyo. I mean, it's the biggest city in the world. It doesn't yeah. feel like the, I mean, granted the the high rises and such make it feel enormous, but when you're walking around, it doesn't feel big. It's clean. People respectful. They actually obey rules, which is like a very shocking thing coming from the United States to Japan. <laughs> but you're so right. Like, you're looking around. I was listening to you uh, with Drew and Colt a few months ago, and you did your honeymoon in Bora Bora. We did our honeymoon in Bora Bora as well. And you were talking about kind of off-the-grid living. I feel like you are one of those guys that would be comfortable, like, deleting the phone, you know, kind of throwing it away and go in and live in like in a hut with the family is that relatively accurate
1: yeah that's super accurate i think there's some cool spots up uh kind of north part of the island japan where the mountains are where the skiing is that i could be pretty happy i don't i don't think i could when i say i could live in japan i don't know if i could do tokyo because it is pretty massive and getting around uh you know it's it's an ordeal um but yeah i think there's some spots maybe maybe give me a little uh hut somewhere at the base of mount fuji (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, during dinner, we were talking about the most fun guys to play with on tour and the least fun guys to play with on tour. Now, I'm not going to make you bring up the least fun guys (laughs) to play with on tour, but Joel Damon, who was at dinner, was mentioned a lot as one of the more fun. What makes a good playing partner as a professional golfer, especially somebody on the PGA Tour?
1: Yeah, I mean, everyone's different. Some people love to talk during the round. Others don't. Um, And, you know, I, I personally, I get bored out there sometimes. I think Joel uh, can say the same. So we kind of like to be entertained outside of golf and, and get our minds off of it in between shots. So just someone you can have a conversation with not about golf, you know, talk about random stuff, other sports, food, like you said, like whatever it may be. Um, we, I mean, me and Joel get into some pretty dumb conversations out there. Um, but yeah, I just, just, you know, it's hard enough mentally as a game. Uh, I, I just don't understand how you could be switched on for six straight hours. Like for me, I definitely need to kind of go in and out a little bit. Um, So, yeah, just someone you can can talk about not golf-related things with.
0: Like, is there a level of kind of feeling out the player, like knowing, especially I know you mentioned on the Subpar podcast, you know, you were paired with Phil Mickelson, like, late and around on a weekend. Is there a level of that for you to feel out? maybe what this person's about on the golf course where you know, because I know there's a lot of professional golfers and people in general that have absolutely no social skills at all and don't understand that this person's a talker, this person maybe not a talker. Is that something you kind of feel out first few holes when you're playing with somebody new?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think Phil was feeling me out that day, not the other way uh, around. I, I got you. I, I, think, I think he wanted no part of me, and then I birdied like four of our first five, <laughs> and then he started chatting <laughs> me up. So uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, they're definitely I mean, I think it's more feeling out, just kinda of getting to know guys. It's so crazy out here with the, you know, the turnover up and down uh from the Corn Ferry tour. Like there's so many new guys out here this year that I don't recognize or whatever. So there is a feeling out process. Um and I don't think it's just new people either. Like I have some buddies that I'm really close with that love going to hang out with and grab a beer with off the course, but on the course they don't say a word. Um, so is yeah, that it's so definitely. strange?
0: Is that like such a strange experience? Like, I know I know, we were joking with Steven Yeager at dinner about you guys all mentioned Jaeger as somebody that when it's not going well, maybe not the most <laughs> fun guy to be with uh, on the golf course. And he agreed, by the way, this isn't like breaking news to Jaeger. But is it so weird to have a best friend that when you're between the ropes, the personality or what they're about is totally different?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, probably the best example I can think of is your boy Max. I yeah. Mean- he's such a chill dude off the course and he's an absolute killer maniac on the, on the course. So um, it is strange, but you know, I think, I think for me, my recipe for success uh, has proved to be just trying to be as much of myself on the course, but then there's other people that You know, I I don't think there's a right way to do it. Um, He's realized, okay, like I need to tap into this whole another part of me that I didn't even necessarily know I had just this kind of killer instinct. And obviously it's worked out for him because he's playing unbelievable golf. Um, So, yeah, I think it's just finding what works for you. And I think, you know, for me, like I said, that's just kind of being my same kind of laid back self.
0: Yeah, you've been playing some solid golf the last few months. I think you've had three top fives on the tour, including the Sanderson Farms uh, this season. You made all but one cut in this wraparound season already. What do you feel like has clicked? What's switched? What's worked for you late in terms of the way you've been playing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think technically my irons have just gotten really, really good in the last you know year and a half, two years. Um, so I mean, that's helped my proximity to the hole. Um, I've always been a good putter and good short game, um, so really more than anything just not having to rely on that day in and day out um give that a break is really nice I still got a long way to go with the driver and and frankly I think the best part about this kind of mini run I've been on uh is that I really don't feel like I've played that amazing um I've just kind of figured out how to get the ball in the hole which you know in my opinion is what I was really good at in college when I played well just kind of didn't really matter what it looked like um but just kind of grinded it out so I feel like I've been doing a better job of that, not getting caught up in, in things I can't control and things that don't matter. And, and really just like, I feel like I've had a bigger level of acceptance on the course. Um, and that's, you know, that's pretty true for me when I've had my good years and, and uh, something that I've really struggled with when I've had my bad years.
0: It's so interesting. You say you haven't felt like you've played your best golf. And I feel like that's a theme I hear so often from players when stuff kind of clicks or switches, right. Is we think about professional golf especially pga tour golf is perfection right if you're a viewer that watches saturday and sunday golf you're watching the leaders they're playing awesome everything's working obviously something's going well that week and they've got it they're in a good mental space because they're near the top of the lead what you don't see is the guys that are struggling maybe they miss the cut they open with 76 is that something that happens as you go through the process of being a pro golfer understanding and realizing that what you thought of as a PGA Tour player, or as a pro golfer, or as a PGA Tour champion, is it perfect? It isn't about playing perfect golf. It's about playing maybe sensible golf for seventy-two holes.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the you know the top top guys are incredible, um, and they hit some shots that I can't even fathom hitting. Um, but I think for the most part, you know, the the hundred and fifty guys each week out here aren't necessarily even the guys that are playing the best right now, or whatever. they're just the guys that know their game best. Um, they know exactly where they're going to miss it when things are off. Like when I had that stretch, uh, John Deere, uh, Kentucky and, and Barracuda, I mean, I was playing like a 30 yard cut. Like I was so <laughs> slappy across it. It was so gross, but the left side of the fairway or the left side of, you know, the hole didn't exist. So I couldn't get into trouble. It was either going right where I was looking or it was going right. And it was super manageable. So I think you're spot on with kind of just knowing how to manage your game. Um, and I think, you know, from a mental standpoint, like that's why golf is so frustrating because there's days where you're just absolutely puring it and you go out and you shoot one under and there's days where, you know, you're just, you feel like a 10 handicap and you, you know, manages 66. So, um, it is just, it's total acceptance. It's total, just, you know, obviously it's, you know, oversaid, but just, you know, one shot at a time type of thing. Like if you don't really care what it looks like, it's pretty easy to just, you know, go hit the next one and, and have that feeling kind of, okay. I hit this exactly where I was meant to hit it. I'm going to go hit the next shot, whatever. And it's almost not even a conscious thing. You just kind of get good at it. And and obviously there's days that are better than others.
0: Can you tell the story of leading the Sanderson farms through 54 holes with a hole in your foot?
1: (laughs) So my daughter dropped a, well, she knocked a knife off of our cutting board into my toe. So, uh, I just kind of like went straight down and was this before the turn?
0: Like, was this before Thursday, my week,
1: this was my, yeah, my week off before. Um, so I had like a week to recover freak accident more than anything. It just freaked me out because, you know, God forbid it could have hit her or, you know, done even worse damage. Um, so that was really more scary than anything. It, it definitely didn't feel good. And I was limping around a little bit, but it was, it was a pretty small clean incision um so that happened whatever went and played there went and played japan uh another off week comes around uh i was telling amanda i had computer issues because wednesday of my second off week i'm cleaning the house my laptop's sitting on a countertop i bump it off it falls straight down into the base of my toe like a freaking guillotine and just explodes my big toe so I was limping around even hard. Bermuda is not an easy walk, let me tell you. And I was limping around super hard last week. So I don't know what's going on in my house right now, but I got to wear shoes 24 I was going to say,
0: we, you need a steel-toe shoe sponsorship, like some sort it's, of like red-wing yeah. boots or something.
1: To- totally. It's been bad. But yeah, I think this one was actually worse. Um, I, maybe the universe is telling me I shouldn't practice on my off weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, man, it's it's been a struggle feet-wise.
0: Uh, you proposed to your now wife on the green uh, on the 18th hole of Pebble Beach during the pro am. I-, I believe it was after the first round, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You shot 72 that day. I was wondering, what was the cutoff number to you not proposing that day? Like, if you'd have shot 78, would you have still got down on a knee? 80, would you have still got down on a <laughs> knee? Was there a number that would have kept you from doing it?
1: Um, I don't think there was a number. It was really funny reading because you know I just did it. We went to school there. It's always been a special place for us. We had a ton of family and friends. So I did it more because I knew everyone was going to be there. Of course, the tour kind of took it and ran with it, right. probably more than we had thought or even wanted. Um, and of course, so it's all over social media. And my favorite thing was reading the comments. They were all like, because uh, Pebble went, you know, Pebble goes deep sometimes. I think I was in like 90th and they were like, oh, <laughs> she should have said no. He sucks at golf. Like, oh, you know how <laughs> freaking toxic it can be. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I know. I don't think I really had a number. I did have like a twenty footer that I ran three, three and a half feet by on on eighteen, uh, and that would have really sucked doing it after a three putt from twenty feet. So I'm glad I probably lipped that one in. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I had a number. It was more I planned it. I don't think she could have said no standing on the beautiful cliffs there. So.
0: I, the, the day I proposed, I proposed after a friend's wedding, uh, we were on a trip and I had it all planned. I talked to my, I talked to the person who was getting married and I said, Hey, I'm proposing the day after your wedding. Is that cool? She said, absolutely. As long as it's the day after no worries. And the night before was the only night of my entire relationship with my now wife, where she gave me shit about not proposing. Like, I think, you know, she was a little drunk. She'd had a few cocktails, like we're this beautiful <laughs> wedding, but she kind of comes up to me and she's like, so what's the deal here? And of course, now I get to play the game, right? I mean, I obviously know what's happening the next day. Oh, I thought you were happy. I thought we were good, you know, a couple of years away, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, she was fired up that night, but uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering, I mean, that day going into the round, you know, it's happening. The ring's probably in your golf bag somewhere. Was it almost easier to play golf? Cause I can only imagine that's floating above your head the whole day.
1: Yeah. I, I wasn't thinking about it a ton until kind of coming down the stretch. Um, my caddy then at the time johan who's one of my good buddies he uh he said that was probably the most nervous day he's had he had it in the back it's on the yeah he had it in the pocket he had like his hand on the zipped up pocket the whole day like there's a lot of cliffs out there that, that, that that can fall into the ocean and never be found again so um no i mean i we had been together for so long and um you know i just knew that it's actually a really funny story. I was going to say, I knew that I couldn't just take her to like, you know, a dinner. We've had a thousand dinners or somewhere. So it had to be somewhere unique. We had apparently a couple of years before had a conversation where she had told me that when I proposed, she wanted to be just the two of us. I don't remember this at all, but I did the exact opposite. We ended up on Sports Center, So uh, <laughs> good for me, but yeah, so it's, it's something we look back on. Yeah, so close.
0: Uh, speaking of Johan, you uh, on your PGA tour profile and who the hell knows when these things are written or when you've answered these questions, you might have the most random dream foursome of all time. She <laughs>
1: told me that in Japan.
0: <laughs> oh my God. E Harvey Ward, Walter Hagen and Johan. What the hell? Look, I need you to take me through these four if you don't mind.
1: Yeah. I'm not a big history guy in terms of, you know, like, diving into the history of golf and stuff like that. But, uh, two guys that I always, you know, looked at when reading books and stuff like that were Harvey Ward and, and Walter Hagan. This, they seemed like my type of guys. Um, again, like we talked about, just kind of dig it out of the dirt. Didn't really care what it looked like and, uh, definitely had a good time back then. I, I think, uh, I think me and Joel might've missed our, our golf era by a couple decades. I (laughs) think we would have thrived
0: 60 years. Right. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we would have thrived back in those days. Um, And then Johan's, you know, he's one of my best buddies out here for me for like two and a half years. And also an unbelievable drunk golfer. He uh, was a pretty average pro when he played, had some back stuff, but, now since he's uh, he's left professional golf, he can really he can really tear it up and uh, gets better as the drinks go down. So. so
0: so Joel Damon's probably the number one ranked drunk golf in the world. I think that's relatively fair to say. I mean, hell, he you, he shoot yeah. fifty eight at Mesa after about twelve White yeah.
1: Claws. Where's Absolutely. Johan in
0: terms of the OWGR of drunk golfers? Is he top twenty, top thirty player in the world? If his BAC is like point one two,
1: definitely, yeah, definitely. As far as I know, I mean. He's not as good as Joel in general, um, but man, he shoots a lot of 68s when he can't even walk straight. So, uh, yeah, I I would I would put him up there. Um, He definitely he definitely knows how to have a good time.
0: So the, the part of the conversation I was most excited about, I wanted to talk some basketball with you. Um, you were all state in b-ball when you were in high school. I know you talked about potentially going and doing both sports in college. You were going to think about playing basketball and golf, obviously made the good decision to settle on golf. Uh, let's talk about your hoops game. Um, what kind of player were you? Uh, what was your high score in, in high school? Kind of run us through the Mark Hubbard like bio as a basketball player
1: yeah my my basketball game right now is non-existent I can't remember the last time I shot a ball on anything but my daughter's little two foot tall hoop um but yeah I, I could I could light it up a little in high school um like a I was shooter? Pretty small yeah I, I was yeah I was mostly our two um my senior year I probably played a little bit more of our three just because I got a little better kind of slashing and and improved my ball handling over the off season a little bit um but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I was just, I was a pull-up three-point shooter. I think my high was 44 nice. in the first game of, um, of state my senior year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think at one point, at my junior or senior year, I think I had the record for most three-pointers made. You were asked me what it is. I don't know what it is in Colorado. It's Colorado basketball. It's not like we're a powerhouse anyways, <laughs> but, you know, for average size, not that athletic. Little white dude, I I think I had a pretty good career, so I can't jump for shit.
0: Oh well, so I mean, like basketball is my favorite sport. Um, it's the sport that, like, when I got out of college and was living in Scottsdale trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life. You know, I'm playing like four or five days of pickup at LA Fitness. I mean, I'm playing as much as you can play uh, without, you know, basically just like living in the LA fitness. You said you don't really play hoops anymore. Did you do that after college? Like when you were playing pro golf, did you play pickup at all? Or was that one of those things that when you were done, you were kind of done?
1: Yeah. If I have been good at something and then I'm not as good at that anymore, I just, I can't do it. Like, and that's where I am a chill dude, but I have that competitive side of me. Um, and like skiing for example I feel like I've got actually gotten better over the years than I was in in high school so I still enjoy to do that um but yeah I mean I, I took some time off just because I missed basketball so much and our team in San Jose State was not very good when I was there they got better as we went on but like my first year it was a struggle and I couldn't even watch and so yeah I, I took some time away and then when I came back I mean I'm, hor- I'm horrible now so uh it's just not not as fun I still love the game still love watching it but uh yeah, uh, you, know, you won't see me playing much pickup anymore.
0: By the way, how weird is that? How weird is life that for, what, 18 years of your life, I mean, you're a guy that would wake up in the morning and grab a golf club or a basketball, right? I mean, that's your life. That's what you know. It was,
1: it was a basketball 90% of the time.
0: Yeah, and just to never touch it now. I mean, I, I think I about know. this all the time. Like, it's just not even a thing you even think about yeah. doing compared to half of your life. It was everything you thought about
1: yeah totally it is it is really weird how you grow and change and um i do miss it i do you know obviously there's part of me that wish i had explored it just to see how far i could take it even though i i know there's a zero percent chance i would ever end up at the same level in basketball as i am in golf now but you know i got a buddy who played in europe he was obviously far better than me but you know looking at his his life and stuff like it looked pretty fun and um I think I would have had a lot of, lot of fun in college, but yeah, it's, it's weird how life, life, you know, takes different paths and, and kind of forks in the road.
0: Do you watch it? I mean, are you consuming college basketball pro? Are you a nuggets guy? Do you watch it consistently?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a Nuggets guy. I'm, I'm very excited to have Murray and Porter back this year. Um, I know we just lost to the dumb Lakers, which the NBA is kind of weird right now. Everybody's beating everybody. They were going to win
0: a game a, eventually, I guess. I yeah, guess we have to give had them to one, be but...
1: against us. Yeah. That's a very Colorado thing played down to your opponents. So <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but yeah, no, I think we're going to be good this year with those guys back and, and I enjoy it. Uh, my wife's a big Kings fan. So we go to a lot of games. She's from Sacramento. So we definitely still watch it. Um, college basketball, I love, I love March Madness, but we, you know, San Jose State's not there <laughs> most of the time. So, uh, same thing with college football. It's, it's tougher for me to get, follow it religiously just because I don't really have a team.
0: You mentioned skiing. You said you've gotten better at skiing. I mean, have you, you mentioned hella skiing in your profile that you would be interested in doing hella skiing more, have you ever done it before? Have you, have you, have you ever hella skied?
1: I've done it one time. I would not be interested in doing it anymore. Okay. I, I, I say I've gotten better at skiing, which I believe I have. Um, but I think I also take a lot less risks and do a lot less dumb stuff than I used to. You got a kid now. Um, man. So that, you, yeah. You can't,
0: you can't die doing dumb stuff when you have a child. That's what the only rule I've been given for my wife. <laughs> Just don't be an rule. idiot and die. Like, die. If you die doing something that's normal week to week, day to day, that's one thing. But like my my wife and it's me and hiking. She'll be like, no, 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 no. That's like too extreme. That mountain's too high. If you fall off the mountain, I got to tell that story for fifty years. I'm like, that's a fair point.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think I definitely have that rule. I think jail is also in there. Anytime I leave, like mm-hmm. no jail, no, no go to jail, no jail, no emergency room, and yeah, don't do anything stupid. So, um, but yeah, I I mean, honestly, I think the reason I've gotten so. I've always been a big skier, but the reason I've gotten so into it is because my wife has has taken it up. You know, the, I think the first part of our relationship, we did a little bit of golf, went to a lot of tropical places, um, and you know, she even did some scuba diving or whatever. But really, the the skiing is kind of the bug that she caught. She's obsessed with it, and so now when we go on vacations, we go, you know, places where there is snow. So that's been that's been a lot of fun for me.
0: All right. There are some perfect brand partnerships over the years in golf. I always go back to Raktif Goosen when he was sponsored by Grey Goose Vodka for a while. I always just felt like this should go on forever. Uh, You've got a peanut deal going with Hubs Peanuts. Oh, there you go. Show it. Show it off. Uh, It seems like a perfect match made in heaven. How did this come about?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, Marshall uh, is the guy who runs it. He's the one who reached out to me. Um, His family, it's his family's business. I think his uh, grandparents were awesome golfers. I think his uh, grandma dot like shot her age well into her eighties, like was just a scratch golfer, just total badass. Um, and so they've just always kind of been a golf family. Um, and so they reached out to me. I think I was, it was when I was playing with Bryson in Detroit, we were in the final group and, uh, he actually slid into my DMS and was like, Hey, this is perfect. Same (laughs) last name. Let's do this. We love golf. And And since then, um, I'd like to think with a little bit of my help. I mean, I think they were doing just fine on their own without me. But they've gotten a little more into the golf world. They're at you know four or five of our PGA Tour events. I know they help out with uh, Leishman's Foundation event every year. Um, I think they were at Napa. Um, They've been at Quail Hollow before. Yeah, so they're being they're going to be all over and and uh, you know they kind of they're smaller. They kind of do more some boutique stores, but then they they go up and down kind of the Southeast coast and uh, supply to a lot of golf courses. So, um, you know, if there's ever a golf course that wants to do some sort of partnership and put their own label on it, they do it and they do a great job. And they're awesome guys, man.
0: How has Steven Yeager not gotten the Yeagermeister deal? Like how, I mean, it's just sitting there.
1: I honestly think he's actively trying to not okay. get. <laughs> I got. You. We actually we played together in Japan, and uh, we had this walking score. Bless his heart, awesome guy. He was with me the day before, but like way too into it, like way too intense. Super did not know, like he's not a fan. Like you're the score, you're just supposed to stay out of the way. And first tee shot, uh, Jaeger hits one. Bombs it, but in the right rough. And the guy, like, as the ball's leaving a tee, is like, Jaeger bombs. Oh, God. And Jaeger looks around. Him. He's like, Does that come from our score? I'm like, That's yeah, gonna be a long day, <laughs> bud. <laughs> so I think he might actively be trying to not have that partnership.
0: It would just be great. I, I keep thinking that you make the golf bag like one of the Jaeger bottles because it kind of looks a little bit like a golf <laughs> bag. man. Just carry yeah. that bad boy around. I mean, who's not going to be into that? And you're a guy that has played around with a golf bag. You did the whiteboard last year. Are you still doing the whiteboard?
1: I still have that. So yeah, if you have any suggestions so before Thursday, yeah, let me know. Let so me know. So tell
0: tell people what you're doing with it because are, are you actually getting are there has there been companies that have reached out at all? I know you've kind of put some random messages on there, but I think it's one of the more brilliant marketing strategies and opportunities in golf.
1: Yeah, I know I haven't had any companies reach out. It's more just been my buddies. Some podcasts have gone on and then yeah, just some random random ideas. But I uh I have a new bag. Uh, they had to kind of rush it to me. So my name didn't get put on it. And uh, I just bought this like sticky tape whiteboard paper. Um I've just been kind of rolling with it since. I think I think the fall's probably the end of it. Uh look like Hughes hooked me up with a new bag. It's it's gonna be awesome. They're doing like a big Colorado theme. So um, but yeah, for the time being, if there's anything you want me to advertise or any, uh, fun things you want me to put on there,
0: you just got a you know. Venmo, You Venmo Hubbard 500 bucks, and then he'll throw whatever you want on there. That's kind of how it works.
1: We did do that one, one day we put, uh, my caddy Kyle's Venmo, uh, and asked people <laughs> to buy him white claws, And I think he got like a 100- hundred plus dollars Venmo to him. So it was awesome.
0: People do anything for a good laugh. Yeah. Um, now you don't have to mention the player. Uh, you can mention the player if you want. You told an awesome story at dinner. I'd love for you to tell it again. You were paired with a guy a couple <laughs> of years ago at the PGA Championship. You were playing excellent golf through two rounds. And then a professional golfer, somebody that plays professional golf, asked you a question a few holes left that uh, hinted at the fact that he wasn't totally sure who you were.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was uh, Michael Ebert. uh Am I saying his name right? Yeah, yeah. Aussie. Uh And obviously he's a good player. You know, won in Bermuda last year, I think. So in his own right, good player. But, you know, like at that time, I think it was my first major. But, you know, I hadn't had a horrible career. I'd been on tour four or five years. I'm vested, whatever. Uh, and, yeah, and I'm I'm playing well through two rounds. You know, I'm probably like five under. He was like three under. You know, it's like obviously I'm under par at a major. Like things aren't bad. And we, we're through about you know, 22 holes or 32 holes, like coming down our back nine. And he looks at me, he's like, so what do you, what do you do outside of this? And I'm like, what? Like I do this, like, this is my job. And he, the entire time had thought that I was some club pro that had gotten in from the PGA. Like at the time I didn't have the same logos on my shirt. I hadn't, but still I'm like, what do you, I'm five under in the PGA championship. Like what? <laughs>
0: I mean, just to bring it up like, hey, so uh, you going back to your shop after this? Or like, yeah, if you make the cut, what's the plan? I mean, uncomfortable for him as well. But uh, if nothing else, I'm for sure, sure a little for bit of sure. motivation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it's something about my face. I don't know. Like, I half the time I walk in and they're like, "Oh, caddy registration's over here." I'm like, "Cool, I'll tell my caddy." Like, (laughs) so I, it's, (laughs) it's just kind of my vibe, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we were at dinner. We were talking a lot about kind of misconceptions on tour, and uh, something that a few of you guys had brought up. Is how many pro am partners will talk to you guys about what else you do? Like, what else? What else are you doing? And you're like, well, I play PGA Tour golf. I mean, this is the highest you can get to, right? I mean, yeah. this is Fortune five hundred level work if you're a pro golfer. And you're asking me what else I do on the outside of this.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh. Can you? Can you like actually make a living doing this? So weird. It's so weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of those guys are are just corporate guys that aren't big golfers that you know their company kind of just was like, oh, go have a fun day, like you earned it. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's bizarre.
0: <laughs> what's been the biggest misconception for you, like from when you were a kid thinking about being a pro golfer to now being a pro golfer on the PGA Tour? What's been something that either has been totally different in a good way or totally different, maybe in a way you didn't think it would be?
1: Yeah, I mean there's there's definitely lots of like don't get me wrong my life is super awesome um and there's lots of things that have surprised me how fun they are i think uh from from a good standpoint um just how cool everybody is out here how many great friends and relationships i've made out here i kind of thought it would be a lot more cutthroat than it is um i also think that's kind of the nature of the game like it is a gentleman's sport and we're all just kind of playing against ourselves and the golf course and we can't really control what the other person's doing so how cool everybody is has been really surprising. Um, I would say though that I think most of the people would agree with this. Um, you know, we grew up putting golf, the PJ Tour on this pedestal. We think it's gonna be insane and we're gonna have a yacht and fly in a private jet. Like me and my high school buddies were like, Yeah, I'm gonna make PJ Tour and we're gonna buy a castle in Spain and I'll live there like I can't buy a, a shack in Spain right now. Like, um, it's just a lot, it's a lot harder and a lot less glamorous. Um, you know, obviously the top, you know, 10, 20 guys are living a different, different life, but I mean, for most of us, like we're paying for all of our own expenses. We're grinding on flights. Um, you know, even just having to play in those programs, we're doing it to, you know, pay for our hotel and our coaching stuff for the week. Um, you know, we were in Bermuda last week, the tour got us a charter, uh, we got picked up at 5 a.m., got to the airport for our eight o'clock flight, and the Bermuda airport police were like, Yeah, the airport doesn't open till seven. You're not leaving till 10. And 150 of us were sitting on the curb of the Bermuda airport outside a closed airport. So, um, you know, it's just not the glamorous life that people think it is, which I think is probably where a lot of those relationships. Uh, come from just because we can kind of lean on each other and, and feel like we have a mini family out here to get through, you know, some of the grind, but it's definitely not this like glamorous life that I think people think it is.
0: How does the charter seating work? I've always wondered this, like a pro, like the PJ tour has a charter flight who gets first class, who gets the front of coach if you will is their coach on these flights like how does that process work
1: so on the way to japan they did it um just based on your fedex cup Uh ranking um and then obviously you know your wife would sit with you and then it you know kind of went to caddies and their players for so it kind of you know it was definitely based on some sort of order of merit um, I don't know if you heard me say that we got to the airport at five fifteen and sat out on a curb till seven, but this charter flight didn't have any order at all. So I got it was just you. a complete <laughs> Southwest free for all, but instead of letters, there was just shapes and no it was one knew where they our, our boarding pass was just a piece of paper with our name written on it. And the name of like, it was hand delivered. Like it was just, it was mayhem.
0: Didn't need your passport. No seats. Yeah. That one. No, uh, yeah
1: we got to Mexico and they're like a uh, passport and boarding pass at an immigration or like passport. And then it's like this sticky note drawn with crayon. And we're like, does this get us in? Like,
0: <laughs> are we good here? Is this going to pass? Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of kind of pro golf and this will something, something I'll get you out on. Uh, I mentioned the interview you did with the guys on subpar. And by the way, go listen to that. If you hadn't, it was great, but you guys talked a little bit of live. I've really tried to avoid a lot of live talk on this podcast over the last few months, because I think you can get it elsewhere, but you said, uh about live that it makes you nervous about the future of golf and i was just interested in what makes you nervous about the future of golf in terms of live pga tour and what's been happening over the last few months
1: yeah i mean i think you know i think the whole thing has been done sort of behind this ruse of growing the game um but really and we've already seen it you know it's kind of making the game smaller we've already had to in order to compete with them make some changes bring it down from 125 to 70 um, you know, we're, we're having to compete with, you know, crazy amounts of money and, and scheduling and, and really cater to our top players because they're what we get the TV ratings from. And and that's a whole nother cup of tea, um, that I don't need to get into right now, but yeah, I mean, the whole thing is talking about growing the game and I, I don't see how less players <laughs> playing golf is growing the game and, and how a bunch of guys who already have millions of dollars playing essentially an exhibition event for more money is going to get, you know, young kids involved. Um, so uh, yeah, I I am a little concerned about the future. I think, you know, I know when I was growing up, I I wouldn't have had a whole lot of interest in watching live, uh, versus watching, you know, Tiger chase Jack Nicholas's major record. So, um, it's interesting. We'll see, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. You know, the whole live thing to me has felt, you know, it's, it's almost like paparazzi level coverage, right? Where, do I really care who Kanye West is dating? No, I do not care who Kanye West is dating. But if I'm scrolling on my phone and there's a, a pop-up story about it on like one of those things that Instagram configures to your phone, I might read this caption, right? And I feel like that with Live a Lot, it's been a lot of who's going where and how much are they making. And then when it actually comes down to the meat and potatoes of golf, I'm always going to watch the PGA Tour over Live, right? And I think something you said in the interview with, with Drew and Colt was the team thing is interesting when it's perfected, when the team thing is done the appropriate way and the right way, that's a unique way to go about golf. But when you're talking about stroke play golf week to week, you know, the interest is always going to land with the PGA tour and the LPGA tour because it's been around for a long time and we can quantify what happens and what matters with a win and with the top 10.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I don't know. I think I think the money is obviously awesome in both places, um, but I, I don't think that's why any of us really play um one of my favorite guys i've i've talked to about this is will Zalatoris, and he's been pretty open saying this too like if he won the lottery tomorrow and had you know 150 million dollars or a billion dollars or whatever he would still play 20 25 events on the pga tour every year because he's not out here for the money like he's out here to be as good as he can possibly be to play as well as he can possibly play to chase down majors to chase down history and you know that's something where it's like i get why those guys went over there like i get why pat perez went over there and i don't mean to call him out but like i just can't imagine you know a guy at that state in his career is going over there and grinding after at 72 when he's got you know 30 million bank he's gonna make another four because his team wins um so in terms of just the golf in general i think as a sustainability like i don't think guys are going over there to get better so essentially that unless they figure out how to protect perfect that team thing like the golf itself is probably going to get worse um just from a competition level so
0: uh hubs real quick um since your beard is so epic right now uh and i mean obviously yeah. you're winning the beard comp- competition i've been growing mine for a bit can you give me a grade it's got a little grade on here by the way right now
1: i like i kind of like the salt and pepper so i wouldn't okay. worry about that i think okay. i think it's a nice distinguished look i i've been on the road for two weeks without my wife that's why this is looking the way it is she wouldn't the stash is kind of getting overgrown. It's not as not as manicured, but much more me. God, so. it looks so good. Is that your hat? By the way, I is can't. that
0: your own hat?
1: Uh, no, this is um, True Links. They're yeah, kind of dead golfer to, brand. You might have. I to, do have, have to get me some of these. Those are really good. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do have one uh, with the homeless guy on it. If If you want me, to go yeah. Grab
0: it. Let's, let's Let's figure Let's figure that out. Let's Let's get that uh, okay. Let's get that sent over. Uh, what schedule right look like for the rest of the year? What else are you playing in?
1: Yeah, I'm going I'm to play everything. Like I said, baby number two is coming in December. So uh, I don't know how much practice I'm going to get in this off season. I don't know how, uh, how I'm going to look in Sony. So I just want to <laughs> grind grind this uh, fall season off and, and get as many points as I can. So I'm here in Mexico this week and then... Uh, Nice little home event in Houston next week, and then um, Sea Island end of the year.
0: Well, awesome. Well, I appreciate the time, Mark Hubbard. Always good to chat with you. Good luck uh, this week. Good luck in Houston. I'll be down in Houston, so I'll run into you and say what's up. And uh, everybody, check out uh, what Hub's about and what he's doing. And um, let's see, let's see a three or four shot lead on the 18th green on Sunday, so we can at least see the Snell on the first putt. Is it? What's the lead got to be? What's the lead got to be on the 18th green for the Snell
1: to hit the first putt? I mean, the first putt depends. It depends on the length because
0: we're thirty feet away. Four shot lead, three shot lead. What? What is it? Could it? Could it be broken out?
1: I think it's three shot lead. Hit the first putt, normal. Okay. The first tap in snail, and then if it doesn't go in, then I'm just an asshole, and then I can then (laughs) then I can tap it in. Then it's just embarrassing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing, but I'll be embarrassed with my winner's check. That's exactly right. So. With
0: with the trophy and uh and the check and the in all the years ahead. Well, I appreciate the time, Mark. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah, I had a blast. Thanks.
0: A big thanks to Mark for taking the time. Uh, obviously, tournament week, so uh, jumping on in the morning on a Tuesday before he had to go out and get his work in. Uh big thanks to Mark. Just a reminder: the Golfer Zoo is out. You can go to backninepress.com backslash bacon and order a copy. Uh, And that does it for uh, this week's got a really different episode coming next week. Uh, I've got a good friend of the program and someone you probably listen to on a weekly basis going to join me. And we're going to talk about golf scrambles. We're going to dive into golf scrambles. The good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, we're going to ask for you know submissions from you all on social media about your best scramble stories and your best experiences in golf scrambles. So look for that on Twitter, and we'll be back next week. Get a grip with Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio.